We are continuing to talk about the spiritual growth. Today we're talking about the spiritual growth continuum that's in the, your notebook that you've gotten for this uh, particular month, and I hope that you'll look at it, and I want to talk to you about that today. Did you know over 72 times in the Bible it mentions this tree, the cedars of Lebanon? And it's a great picture. Cedars of Lebanon, they're still around. In fact, they have to be protect, protected and preserved. And some of them are 2,200 years old, some over 1,000 years old. So some of these date back even before Christ was on the earth. Uh, but in Bible times, when they're used throughout the scriptures, for example, Isaiah uses the cedar of Lebanon to represent strength and durability. When uh, the Psalms talk about the cedar of Lebanon, it talks about the grace and the beauty that's represented by that picture. Amos talked about the picture of the cedars of Lebanon and referred to it as the majesty and the honor of God and God's people. Solomon talked about the fragrance of the cedars of Lebanon. Did you know that Solomon used the cedar of Lebanon to help build the temple? There's great instructions there in the Bible of how they got the cedars there. Solomon even built some of his chariots out of cedar of Lebanon. And not only that, boats, even in the days of Jesus, were made out of cedar of Lebanon. Cedar of Lebanon often represents the majesty and the glory and the honor of God and the enduring strength and power of God's people. Now, for several years, the elders of this congregation from the 1990s to the 2000s Use the image of the baseball diamond about spiritual growth. Remember that? We went from being a member to ministry uh, to maturity to missions. And we use that, a great uh, model of what it meant for purpose-driven church model. Uh, Wes and Lynn and the elders just studied and thought about this. How can we really get, for our new strategy plan, a different model to move away from the baseball diamond to something new and refreshing? And they landed on a tree, a tree is that chart. Go on to the next slide there. And it, it's just a, a great picture of the idea of the cycle of growth of a tree and how what that represents. And so you have a person going from beginner to learners to followers to multipliers. That phase of growth that we have. And you'll see that there's two parts to a spiritual growth. On the next slide, you'll see, first of all, it takes your own individual effort to do that, doesn't it? You have to make the effort of where you desire to have uh, a walk, working relationship with God, a loving relationship with Him, and you want to be in life where you're drawing closer and closer to Him. And there's a second part to that, and that's as a congregation, the commitment that leadership needs to make, the elders, that we will be equipped, we'll be prepared to grow spiritually and offer those opportunities whether it's a home group or Bible study or sermons, Bible class, worship, uh, different groups for different age groups, whatever is needed that can be there to help people grow and develop spiritually, to be equipped. So the question is, why do we even want to grow? What does it mean when it says that we are to grow spiritually? Well, the motivation for that is love, isn't it? Everything about life flows from how we love. In Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 39, Here's life in a nutshell. You love the Lord your God with the what? See, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. Now notice how love continues. And the second is like it. Do what? 
love your neighbor as yourself. Anything about, when you talk about life and flowing and development and growth, it's all in the heart of the motivation of love. I want to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want to love you, and I want to love myself. And from that, all of life flows, doesn't it? Would you agree with me when all those areas of loving God, others, and yourself are all in place, life goes really well? See, and that's the spiritual growth. It's a healthy development. That sort of love for God is what develops a healthy faith in God. It's a faith that expresses itself in love. In Galatians 5, verse 6, the only thing that counts is when faith expresses itself through what? Through love. Now, are there other things that are essential by faith, about faith? Certainly, there are many things that are essential and important in the Christian life, right? But the one thing, boil it all down to the one thing that really counts is what? Faith expressing itself in love. Love God, love others, and love yourself. So there is a spiritual growth. When I look out here to this congregation, we're all in different cycles and phases of spiritual growth, aren't we? We're not all on the same level of experience or knowledge or growth or what it means to be a Christian. But in that cycle, there are specific needs for each one. When Jesus was talking to Peter at the breakfast following the resurrection in John 21. Jesus talked about sheep, but he also talked about lambs. And he makes a distinction between the sheep and the lamb, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Now, we know that sheep are, that can refer to all sheep, right? A lamb can refer to the purity of a particular sheep, like Jesus is the Passover lamb or the lamb that was offered as a sacrifice. But really the word lamb is used in terms of age identification. A sheep under one year old is called a lamb, and those that are older are called a sheep. So when Jesus is talking to Peter about his reassignment after betraying him, to get him focused back on ministry, he talks about love to Peter three times. Remember that? And two out of those three are about love to teach and love to serve. And he uses the classification to identify that there are different spiritual levels of growth. And so he says to one time to Peter, do you love me? And Peter replies, yes, I do. And he says, feed my lambs. These are your beginners, your new Christians, your starter uppers, if you will, the beginners. Feed them. They need a specific type of feeding rather than a more mature sheep. Then he speaks to Peter again. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I do. And now he says, do what? Feed my sheep. In other words, understand, Peter, that there are cycles in spiritual development. The lamb needs to be fed. The sheep need to be fed. But they have different nutritional needs. Feed them. And then again, he asked Peter, do you love me? And now he brings love and serving together. Where now he uses the phrase sheep to refer to all of them. Do what? Take care of my sheep. So spiritual development that Jesus gives to, to Peter and to us 
is to make sure the lambs and the sheep and all the group of the congregation is being fed. And that's the responsibility of a congregation and for ourselves as well, to our families. Now, the purpose of spiritual growth is in that great commission statement that Jesus gives. And here he brings the multiplier, the follower, the beginner, the learner, the phases that we're using into this text. Go, there's your multipliers, and make disciples, there's your followers, of all nations, baptizing them, that's your beginning point, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, there's a learner, everything that I have commanded you. So in the great commission that Jesus gives us, you see the purpose of the church, don't you? To be multipliers, to have beginners, to have followers that are being taught and trained and learners who are learning how to obey. And so that's the spiritual growth model. Now, I think all of us understand that spiritual growth is not an option, right? It's a command. In fact, in 1 Peter verse, chapter 2, verse 2, here's the command. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation or that you may grow into your salvation. You see, we hunger, we have a desire, we have a purpose that we want the pure spiritual milk that's the nutrition from God that's so essential to our life and Peter commands us to do this. Let us grow up in our salvation to develop the spiritual cycle that God wants us to have, to draw closer unto Him, a faith that's strengthened and a relationship that's formed, to grow into that salvation. In fact, remember, we're told that we are giving everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness by God. He gives that to us. We are given it, but we have to grow into it, don't we? And that's the command, to grow into it. Now, would you agree with me with every command there's a consequence? What if you don't obey the command? What if you decide, I'm not going to grow? I've been baptized. I'm just going to, you know, wait to eternal life. <clears throat> what are the consequences for not obeying? There are consequences, aren't there? In Hosea 4, verse 6, God is speaking to the leaders of Israel, the religious leaders. And he gives them an indictment because they have not been equipping, they have not been preparing their people for spiritual growth. And here's where he says, my people are destroyed from a what? From a lack of knowledge. It's the leader's responsibility in the church to make sure that the members are being fully equipped and trained to grow spiritually and help them in that opportunity to grow spiritually as well. You see, the purpose of us is rooted in knowledge of who God is. What is that lack of knowledge? When you know who God is, and he's, he's beyond and before anything or everybody, when we know him, we are to come in fellowship with him and have relationship with him. That is what, to love God, to love others, to love ourselves, to grow closer and closer to God. That's why he formed us. Look in Isaiah 43, verse 21. Now, first of all, he's speaking here to the people of Israel. But now that we're under the, the mystery of Christ, we know that as Gentiles, we've been added to that as well, right? We are the people of God. What's the knowledge we have about God's people? What did, what did God do with his people? He formed them 
in order that they would proclaim his what? Praise. Now, that is the knowledge you need to have beyond any other thing you ever learn in life. Everything else is secondary. You are formed to proclaim and praise God. Get it? If you got that, you can begin to build on this. The purpose and the knowledge that's taught and embraced is for us to proclaim the praise of God. To do that, you strengthen your faith and relationships are formed. Now, I like that phrase, formed by God. Why, aren't, why isn't every Christian involved in spiritual growth? This is what the Bible warns us about. We're formed by God, but we can also be uninformed. We are uninformed. We don't read God's Word. We don't go to God in prayer. We don't worship Him on a regular basis. We don't have the habits of discipline that are necessary. So we remain uninformed. And the Bible speaks of that as being ignorance. And with ignorance, it says we are without excuse. Because why? We know that we've been formed by God to do what? Proclaim his praise. So we, want, we cannot be uninformed. We're formed by God so we cannot be misinformed. To be misinformed. The Bible tells us don't be led astray. That evil parades itself and masquerades itself as truth and light. When it's darkness and destruction, you need to know that. Don't be misinformed. Don't be misinformed because there are false teachers that will lead you astray. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto us, but it leads to what? Destruction. Why? Because you've been misinformed. You're formed by God. Don't be uninformed. Don't be misinformed. Rather, be informed. Know God's Word. Have a relationship with God in prayer. Most important thing you do every day, I want to praise and proclaim you in my life and grow closer to you. Faith strengthen, relationships form. Give me an understanding according to your Word. Teach me your decrees. I want to love your word. That's what the psalmist says. So spiritual growth is about being informed. And that, that also is a cycle, isn't it? The Bible talks about having a knowledge. <clears throat> and that is, what do I need to obey? That moves to being a wisdom. How do I obey that? To an understanding. Oh, this is why I need to obey it. See the growth? Information becomes knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to be informed. And when you're informed this way, you then have the decision to be conformed. Now, if you're uninformed or misinformed, you're going to conform to this world. And everything about this world is a pressure for you to conform to the way of Satan. Everything about this world. And that's why in Romans 2 it says, of 12, 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You know when you'll get conformed to the pattern of this world? When you're uninformed and when you're misinformed. You'll conform to the pattern of this world. But when you're informed in the Word of God, when you're informed in your spiritual growth that God has called you to do, to proclaim and praise Him, you will be conformed to Christ. In Romans 8, 29, it says, be conformed 
to the image of Jesus Christ. See that? Two choices, misinformed, uninformed, conformed to this world, or conformed to Christ. Now, if you're conformed to this world, to the pattern of this world, <clears throat> there's consequences to that. Here, here's what you need to know in your spiritual growth. If you disobey God and continue to disobey God, you will spiritually die, and when the wrath of God comes, you will experience His wrath forever. That's what it means to conform because you've been misinformed or uninformed. Got it? Rather, when you are informed and have knowledge and wisdom and understanding of Christ, and you grow in that, you have a life of obedience. You have the promise of eternal life. You never experience the wrath of God. In fact, you receive the blessings of God for eternal life. Now, that, that's the beauty of this, isn't it? So when you grow to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it puts it all together. Formed, informed, conformed to Christ to be transformed by God. See it? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? See it? Transformed how? Renewing of your mind, spiritual growth. Then you'll be able to do what? Test and approve what God's will is, the good, pleasing, and perfect will. This spiritual growth is so essential to salvation, to grow up in that salvation, have that spiritual growth. You can be formed by God and be transformed, or you can be misinformed and uninformed and don't think that God had anything to do with you being here, and you can conform to this world and be lost. Now, what's interesting is that mix of those who are conformed to Christ and conformed to the world are always mixed in the church. They're never separated here on earth. So within every congregation, there are those who are being conformed to the pattern of this world right now. And some who are being conformed to Christ. And so Jesus gives us a warning in the parable of the tares. You familiar with that parable? Of the wheat and the weeds. And what happens is, Jesus says that in his church, in the people of God, there will always be the wheat and there will be the weeds. And our inclination will be, well, we need to separate them. But Jesus makes it clear, we will always be together in this world until the end, the harvest time, when the wrath of God will separate the wheat or the weeds, and then he will gather up for himself, God says, the wheat. So there won't be a point in time when we go down trolley road and say, well, that's a wheat church, and that's a weed church, Right? Well, that's, that's a bad church over there. That's a good church. No. In every church, there's the mixture of those who are seeking to conform to the image of Christ and be transformed. And there are those in the church that are more and more, little by little, being squeezed and pressured into the mold of the world, and they're losing their salvation. And they're losing their purpose. And that's what we need to know. There's a separation from it. There's one word, verse where Paul loves to do this. He mixes all these metaphors to describe to us what spiritual growth is all about. And, and just notice how he goes from one to the other. So you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to live your life in him. That some translations say walk with him. Rooted, there's your tree. Built up in him, there's your building. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Taught your school. And overflowing your river with thankfulness. So what is spiritual growth like? It's like a walk. It's like a tree. It's like a building. It's like a school. It's like a river. Whatever it is, grow into it, see? 
Grow up in it. I love 1 John chapter 2, 12 through 14, these cycles of growth. Just like in a, a child to a parent or a child to an adult, child, youth, adult, there's growth cycles. There are spiritual growth cycles in your life as well. You start off as a child, and in the first verse it says, I'm writing to this little children because your sins are forgiven. And then the second verse he says, I'm written to this little children because you know the Father. So a beginner, a brand new Christian, has this assurance that they know that they've been forgiven of their sins through Jesus Christ. Great assurance, right? Great security. They know that, they hold on to that, and they cry out, Abba, Father. Through the Holy Spirit, they cry out, Abba, Father. Then that childlike faith, we begin to grow into a youth faith. More mature, a little more mature faith, don't we? I'm writing you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome that evil one. You know the word of God. You're grown in the word of God. You're able to use the word of God to overcome temptation, to be an overcomer. You know that you're involved in a spiritual warfare. So you had the assurance that you've been saved from your sins, that Christ is your Lord, that God is your Father, but now you're using his word as an overcomer over temptation to find that spiritual warfare, and you're having victories, and that's creating more confidence in you. See it? And you continue to grow in your spiritual walk with the Lord to the point of where you're a father. This time, he just says the same thing over twice. I'm writing you, fathers, because you know him who's been from the beginning. Again, he says it. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who's been from the beginning. It's relationship. I've been saved from my sins. God is my father. The word of God is true. It's powerful. It's strong. I'm growing in his word. I'm, my faith is being strengthened. I'm experiencing victories over sin, over temptation. But man, what I love more than anything is the joy of my salvation. I love being in the presence of God. I love to proclaim and praise his name. My relationship with God is the most important relationship I will ever have on this earth, and nothing will separate me from the love of Christ Jesus. See it? Y'all see that? Spiritual growth. That process of we're being called on a chart from childhood to being a parent, faith-strengthened, relationships form. So how do you get there? How do you do that? Well, I see it in the negative light in Hebrews chapter 5, but I want to turn it to a positive. First of all, you got to make the effort, folks. God's not going to open up your brain and pour all this into your little heart, okay? Head to your heart, and now you got it. He'll give you grace. He'll give you everything that pertains to life and godliness, but you got to make the effort. Are you willing to make the effort? We have much to say about this, the Hebrew writer says. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you're no longer what? You're not even trying. If you're not making the effort, you're not going to grow. So don't expect great things from God if you're not willing to make the effort. You're not going to grow spiritually if you don't make the effort. Not only that, a second condition for growth is ambition. There is nothing wrong with ambition as long as it's not selfish ambition. <laughs> Get a little bit of gumption. Get a little bit of drive, determination, discipline, ambition. He says, in fact, by this time you ought to be teachers. In fact, some of you should have grown a lot further than what you have now. 
but you're not making the effort. You have no ambition to grow. You get sidetracked. You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's Word all over again. You're acting like a child, see, when you should be a teacher. What else he says? Condition for growth is nutrition. Look in verse 12 and following. You need milk. He's being sarcastic here, not solid food. In other words, you're acting like a baby. You're not making the effort. You're not growing. You're just going through the motions. And when you should be on the meat of God's Word, well, you're still on the bottle, see? Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not what? See it? Acquainted with our teaching about righteousness, solid food is for whom? Are, are you getting this? The importance of spiritual growth. Cycles of spiritual growth. And then here's another one. Training. It's more than just teaching knowledge. It's more than just learning the scripture. It's being trained and equipped to live out the purpose of the church. And that's what we're supposed to be all about. Notice, solid food is for the mature who by constant use, hear it, have trained themselves to distinguish what? Good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and being taken forward to maturity. Do you see that? The spiritual growth. Childhood, infant, to maturity of the word and maturity and service. Maturity to conquer, to be able to distinguish between what? Good and evil. No excuse. You cannot be uninformed. You cannot be misinformed about evil. It will wipe you out. It will destroy you. So you got to train yourself to be able to distinguish between good and evil in the Word of God. Now, this spiritual growth in all of us, Jesus talks about it bearing fruit. We're to bear fruit. He gives the parable of the soils. Do you remember that? He talks about the heart, the heart that is conditioned, that can be used by God to produce lots and lots of fruit. The hard heart which is the hard soil, cannot produce fruit. A life filled with bitterness and hardness of life is not open to loving God, others, or your own self. And you close out the opportunity to produce fruit. The rocky soil represents the fearful heart. The heart so fearful of standing up for their convictions, of their belief in Christ, of the tribulations, the trials and troubles that come to being a Christian, so fearful of it, it stops producing fruit in their life, and they walk away. The third soil is the thorny soil. And this represents the cares of this world. We are so overwhelmed, so distressed about things of this life and the events that could occur in this life. Our whole mindset is on the thorns of this world that it chokes out the opportunity to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. But then Jesus says the good soil represents the heart, loves God, loves others, loves himself, open to growing and maturing. And there, that seed of faith produces and yields an abundance and abundance and abundance of fruit. It's the exact same word of God, exact same opportunity, exact same seed. The only difference is your heart, your heart. Will you prepare your heart to receive what God has in store for you?
Now, there's also another point I want to make. Spiritual growth is also about expectations, setting your expectations. What should we expect in terms of expectations? Well, you need to expect that there's always going to be a contrast. It should not discourage you. You might get disappointed by it and concerned by it, obviously. But the contrast is between the faithful and the compromised. And that's the next, next slide. Between the faithful and the compromised. As I said earlier, there will always be those who are moving towards spiritual growth and those who are being compromised by the world and compromised in this life. And we'll always be together in this walk. So it's important that we let the Word of God to encourage us, admonish us, exhort us, to rebuke us, to make us towards repentance, and discipline us. It's what it needs to do. Because we never want to find ourselves in the compromised Christian area. Now Paul talks about the church and the group of faithful and the compromise in the same church there in Ephesus. Just like it would be today in any congregation here as well. He says in 2 Timothy 1, 13-14, you got to keep the sound pattern of sound teaching with faith, there it is, and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's the faithful church. See it? Now Paul says, in the last days, these are the, the time leading up to the return of Christ in the day of the Lord and the wrath of God. And, and eternal salvation for those going to heaven. In the last days, the church will have many in there that are holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power. They're going through the motions. They're not making the effort. They're not being nurtured in the Word. They're not being trained in righteousness. They're not distinguishing between good and evil. They are conforming to the pattern of this world, and they are compromised. They hold to the idea. They're a churchgoer. They're a member of some church somewhere, but there's no power in them. See it? Why? They lost their form. Misinformed, uninformed, no longer shaped by God. The end result is they're holding to that. They're compromised. So you have the faithful and you have the compromised. And Jesus warns us about this, folks. And this is part of spiritual growth, to listen to the words of Jesus and to put them into practice. And he warns us about this. And he's saying, if you think for one moment when I return that the church is going to be real healthy and the people of God are going to be so on fire for me, you need to understand, prior to my return, most of the people of God's love for me will have grown cold. See it? And because of the wickedness of the world, their love for me will grow cold. And not only that, they will abandon their faith and they will betray others of the faith to those that can do harm to them. Isn't that amazing? This is Jesus talking about what's going to happen prior to him arriving. But then notice the other part. But there's going to be those who do what? Stand firm to the end and they'll be what? Say, there's a remnant. Which group do you want to be part of? Now, I don't know when Jesus is going to return. We don't know the day or hour, do we? I don't know it. But I do know one thing. If he came today and this was the time, which group would you be in? Where are you in your spiritual walk? So we got to prepare. That's why in Matthew 25, it gives us powerful parable of, of the 10 women at a, going to a wedding. Remember, five are prepared. The wedding gets delayed. They have plenty of resources, plenty of abundance, and they're ready to enter into that marriage uh, feast and uh, festivity. 
The other five are unprepared. They don't have enough. They go away and they miss the wedding, don't they? And this whole point of what Jesus is saying in this parable is, are you going to be in the unprepared group that's compromised? Or are you going to make the commitment to grow spiritually and be faithful and always prepared for I come when I come? Because Jesus says, no one knows the day or hour. Watch for it to happen. Which are you part of? So let's go to our spiritual growth continuum and look at this chart again. See, two parts. What is your individual commitment to this? What will you do? And what the leadership is trying to tell you, the elders of this congregation, they're making this renewed commitment to you that they're going to provide opportunities in many, many ways to help you specifically grow spiritually. And this is what it's all about, us helping each other. Three cord, a three-strand cord is very strong, isn't it? It's what the Bible says. So I want to go back to that picture of the cedars of Lebanon. There's one other thing I didn't tell you about that. Strength, durability, eagles build their nest in it, chariots made out of boats in the temple, the fragrance. In the Mosaic law, in their purification rite, do you know how they purified the waters? They put in cedar of Lebanon to cleanse and purify the water. Folks, I, I love that illustration. That's what we are in this world, right? We're the purified people. We're the purified church. I don't have this on the screen, but Peter says it this way. Purify your souls in obeying the truth, the spirit and sincere love of one another, and do it with a pure heart. See, we're to be that cedar of Lebanon in our society, in the world about it. So if that tree is an image. Let me close by reading Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. This, this is what it looks like to be a strong, spiritual king a tree in the kingdom of God. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. May that be the description of our tree, each one of us in this congregation. Amen. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we invite you to do so now.